annuities are no longer a area of difficulty in my brain. On this episode of Advisor Revelations, learn how one advisor is taking advantage of creative tax and income strategies using commission-free solutions in today's fluctuating market. Welcome to the Advisor Revelations podcast. I am Ross McGoodwin, RVP of Member Success at DPL Financial Partners. Today, we will discuss how advisors like our guests joining us today had discovered how they can transition their legacy annuity contracts and client mindset to the RA practice. We'll also talk about finding creative strategies to address collapsing life insurance policies and matching clients to the fee-based retirement solutions. I would like to introduce our guest, who is a wealth advisor at RFG Advisory, Brock Eason. Brock, thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Ross. Happy to be with you. So before we start our conversation today, I want to remind our listeners to please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming app for updates. If anything we talk about today interests you, be sure to connect with a DPL consultant on our website at dplfp.com. All right, Brock, so that our listeners have a better understanding of the type of firm you're with and your experience, can you share a little bit more about yourself and RFG Advisory as a whole? How long have you been partnered with DPL? would be great to get some background. Yeah, sure. So I started as a financial advisor in 2008, which if you've been around the industry a while, 2008 was a really interesting year to start. Yeah. <laughs> Learned a lot of really important lessons that year. In 2012, I joined my firm's management team. So that involved recruiting, hiring, training, mentoring new advisors, growing a team, making them productive, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I did that until uh, 2017. And I went back to personal production. And then it dawned on me during those years that I really wanted to move away from commission-based sales and Mm -hmm. build recurring revenue as a business model. And so it made it the obvious choice that the RIA model was a better fit for me. And I made that transition in 2020. So I'm a relatively recent convert, you might say. Yeah. (laughs) And then I joined RFG because the leadership team here clearly has a service mindset. They deploy a lot of tools, technology, support from admin staff Mm -hmm. that just make me able to plug my practice in, like plug and play, if you will. I didn't have to develop a lot of technology or run an office or pay staff or it just made it easy to operate. And so RFG was a terrific fit for that and have been ever since. It's fantastic. And RFG has been one of our top partners over the last almost two years, I think it now is Brock, but uh, definitely a great model where they really centralize all of those time-consuming aspects of running a business, but make that transition possible. And what about that transition to the RA space, you know, made it such a no-brainer for you for a business standpoint, you know, what really attracted you not only for your business, but for the benefit of your clients? I think The primary thing, easily the primary thing, is that I think that when you grow up in the business, so to speak, inside Mm -hmm. of an insurance-based broker-dealer, they teach you how to sell, but not how to build a healthy business. Mm -hmm. And so you get into the cycle of, what have you done for me this week sort of mentality. And you as an advisor can't help but carry that attitude along to your clients. And so you're constantly looking for transactions to make. And the whole business model is geared toward transactions. And I wanted my business model to be more geared to relationship management. 
Yes, we still acquire new relationships, but the core of our motivation and how we're paid, therefore how we're convicted to behave is building a healthy business model. And ultimately, I wanted it to be something that I could grow that had enterprise value. Mm -hmm. And so when you start comparing worlds between the RIA world and the broker dealer world, RIA world is just so much better for that. Mm -hmm. And so I was really convicted about building a healthy business model. Yeah, it's great. And you know, I think you know, clients certainly understand that you know, ongoing support and service model and, and how that really aligns with their best you know, long-term goals and success. So I think that certainly you know, makes that conversation easier once you make that transition. So that's fantastic. And then we also, of course, you know, we talk a lot of advisors and you know, subscribe to a lot of you know, market research that says you know, the fee-only side, that revenue actually is typically revenued at 3x higher compared to the commissionable side. So in the long term, it can be you know, more efficient for clients, but of course, for your bottom line, which is a, a great win-win there. So appreciate you sharing that about your transition. So what products, when you made this transition, you're of course you know, familiar with annuities and insurance from the broker-dealer world. But uh, when you made the transition to the RA space, or maybe some new solutions that were accessible that maybe you weren't familiar with historically? And then what surprised you about how these solutions maybe change when you remove that commission? Yeah. So before I talk about the solution, let me talk about the problem. So, and again, this is probably more common if you're coming out of an insurance-based broker-dealer, but my book, you know, the set of accounts I could see was of decent size, but a lot of that book didn't produce any ongoing revenue. Right. So this would consist of sometimes brokerage accounts, but there was a very large chunk of annuity business spread across eight or nine carriers that as an advisor who wants to behave ethically and as a fiduciary, I feel compelled to provide service on. Client Mm -hmm. calls in with a question. I want to be able to answer it and answer it well, because annuities can be complex and you have to know what you're talking about, right? Yeah. But you run into this business problem, especially based on what I talked about earlier about building a healthy business with sticky recurring revenue. And a lot of those contracts don't produce ongoing revenue for the advisor. Mm -hmm. And that was a problem for me because you're taking the time to provide the service, but you're not being paid for it. And this is all because under the broker dealer and annuity business model, the advisor who writes the contract has the option of taking the compensation up front. Yeah. But it often doesn't create ongoing revenue. So whether you wrote the contract or not, if it's in your book, either because you wrote it or because you inherited it, then it's not producing that ongoing revenue that is your goal. And so that's where we get into how did RFG and DPL help solve that problem for me? Yeah, that's terrific. And in terms of, you know, what changes with the products, you know, the main things that historically have been hangups in these you know, products for clients is, oh, the liquidity, the high fees, uh, or excuse me, the lack of liquidity. But uh, what are, for some people maybe aren't as familiar, what are some of the changes that you have seen on these solutions that have been maybe a breath of fresh air, not only for the client, but then for you as the advisor? Absolutely. Before two years ago, I had never heard of an advisory annuity. <laughs> yep. And what advisory annuity means is if you mention annuity to people, it's fairly typical that they've heard bad things, right? And yeah. when you get specific, then a lot of it has to do with annuities are high in fees. 
annuities pay a commission to a sales rep and annuities have a surrender period that you're locked into for a period of time. Yep. I've heard a zillion stories about you know, somebody who's 60 talking about how somebody at a bank sold their mother an annuity and now they can't get out of it and they need the money. Yep. All right. So the issues are high fees, surrender charges, and a commission to a sales rep. If right. you strip out those three things, what you're left with is an investment on equal footing with anything you would do in the mutual fund or ETF world. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just another set of option among equals, I'll say. Mm-hmm. And so from the client's perspective, they're often priced better, they're more liquid, and you're fulfilling your fiduciary duty because you don't have to explain. There's no favoritism toward an annuity because that's my incentive, right? And a client can rest easy with that. As the advisor, though, I'm still managing that account. Mm-hmm. And sure. it's still producing revenue for my practice as it should. Yep. And so it both for the client, it's often better and for the advisor. Yeah, absolutely. That, that win-win is super important. And you know, I think to your point, it, it allows you to kind of take those handcuffs off and really just you know, be able to do what's best for the client every time. And if it's annuity, great. There are options now that are aligned with the rest of your practice and how you want to operate your business. But if it's not the annuity, then you don't have those conflicts of interest or upfront commissions, you know, really in the mix there. So that definitely helps the conversation. And, you know, right now, there's been a couple of things that have really become more and more popular given the rate environment, but also just product development. And part of that's, you know, guaranteed income. We have payout rates as high as they've ever been. And the buffer annuity space has been actually the fastest growing area across the industry. You've utilized some solutions in those areas. Why have those been so effective for clients and how those worked differently maybe in the RA space? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the number one thing in our practice here has been in the buffered annuity space. One thing I really grappled with as a wealth advisor, particularly in 2022, is I'd look at the overall performance in the stock market, you know, and it's negative 15 to 18%, depending on how you're invested. But If you've been around a long time, that's nothing new, right? Every so often you have a year that's just awful, right? 2008 was the year I started. That was awful. Way worse, actually. Yes. But the hard thing to watch, particularly this past year in 2022, was how the bond market performed. That was down just as much. And when you look at the history of the bond index, you don't typically see that. In fact, the set of conditions that created it didn't exist since before I was born. Yeah. You still have to sit in front of your client and explain what was supposed to be a safer investment, in fact, wasn't. Right. And so it forces you as the advisor to turn to look at other alternatives. And so when you can tell, speaking to the buffered annuity space, when you can tell a client that you've got a guaranteed minimum performance and a, a maximum performance, but it's within that range and that range is acceptable based on their risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. then that's that's a win. And so, you know, these products are flexible enough to where you can combine mix and match investment choices mm-hmm. to limit their risk to whatever you feel is appropriate. And so when you can go into an investment with certainty, you know, clients have a confidence level there. There are still really great products, buffered annuity products in the broker dealer space. Sure, Those do the same thing. I tend to want to, again, back to that building a healthy business. I'd rather do it through the advisory space because it creates recurring revenue. 
Exactly. And then when you move to the advisory space, now we have something that's you know more flexible, as you said, is so important. And then perhaps, you know, some better upside to go along with it. So yes. uh, it just makes that story even easier to tell. Now, in terms of maybe some more you know, advanced strategies, you know, we've worked together on 25 plus cases at this point, helping out a bunch of your clients. And it's been great to see us you know, go through that annuity book over time. But as always, just been existing annuities or existing conversations on maybe income planning, there's been some unique strategies that you've implemented with collapsing life insurance policies. Why don't you tell the audience more about that strategy? Yeah. So there was a kind of a landmark case that made the idea an idea in my head. And I've done it a few times since. I met somebody, this was maybe 2016. I'm unique. I was in a firm where it was heavy, heavy life insurance. And so I wasn't writing a whole lot of new life insurance policies. What I was Mm -hmm. doing was doing a lot of repair of life insurance policies. And so the basic problem is that if you had a variable universal life policy or universal life policy, then you know that the cost of insurance is deducted from the cash value. Mm -hmm. If you as the client or policy owner are not adding enough money to offset the drain of that cost of insurance from the cash value, you see a declining cash value. And eventually, once that cash value hits zero, the policy lapses. Talk to a policy owner who that's happening to. They're not happy. No, not fun. Not fun at all. Had a lot of those conversations. And so I found one at one point in time where we were doing kind of a broader financial planning conversation. And they had a life insurance policy that had been drained of its cash value all the way down to about $300. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think most advisors would look at this and say, well, you've got two options. You can either add a bunch more money to it or you can just let it lapse. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I presented a third option, which was let's 1035 exchange this $300 in a life insurance policy to an annuity contract. Mm-hmm. And I think most people would say, well, why would you bother to do that? Because in a 1035 exchange, not only does the cash value carry over to the annuity contract, but so does the cost basis. In yep. this case, the cost basis was about $70,000. So what we end up with is an annuity contract with $300 in it, but with a cost basis of $70,000. Mm-hmm. So you can grow your money from $300 to $70,000, and all that growth is tax-free. Yep. And tax-free for this client, that's some alpha right there, or the equivalent of it. You know, it's very hard, though, to get that $300 to grow to 70000 but it gave me the chance to ask for, Mr. Client, you said you wanted to find what to do with $100,000. let us put it into this annuity contract. You can get $70,000 of growth tax-free, mm-hmm. right? Then the question is, well, I heard annuities are bad. Boy, do we have a solution. <laughs> so that's one creative thing that we've done a few times here. Yeah, it's great. And it's probably something the client wasn't expecting to get back as a potential option or recommendation. But from a tax perspective, it's a huge win for them to be able to have a tax-free growth opportunity. Of course, clients are, are always very tax sensitive, as you know, and especially in you know key years. So that was a, a great strategy to, to pass along. And it's even more of an advantage when you can accomplish this with a fee-only contract that, of course, has no surrender period, has good investment options, and also it's very efficiently priced. Any other alternative strategies that maybe stood out recently that you've been implementing on the uh, annuity side? Yeah. So we have a few clients that have kids with special needs. 
and have arranged for a special needs trust to be created. And we've done this a couple of times as well. But in those cases, we will sometimes use annuities. The one particular case I'm thinking of, the, the trust has a lot of assets, which create a lot of income. And yep. some of that income is paid out to beneficiary, the beneficiary, but some of it is retained in the trust. And so most of us will have crossed paths with this at some point. Trust tax very quickly retained earnings inside the trust at the top tax bracket. And so if you can find a solution with tax deferred growth, aka an annuity, then it makes managing that trust so much easier from a tax perspective. And you don't feel forced to pay to a beneficiary more money than they perhaps need. Mm -hmm. And so that helps. We've done that a few times here recently. All of these are things that are, you know, unique to annuities. And so when we can solve a client problem and build a healthier business, that's a win-win in my book. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, appreciate you sharing that. So I, I know there might be you know other advisors listening who may work for a roll-up firm like RFG or maybe looking to join a firm like that. How has DPL supported the organization as a whole and maybe help make the experience more scalable and more repeatable for you and the other advisors you work with? Absolutely. So on the front end, case design is a big issue. I, at one point in my broker-dealer life, had access to an annuity desk. And you know, if you're trying to find the best thing for the client, no matter what platform you work under, you'd like to be able to have a quick snapshot of what products are out there and how do they work that can meet my client's needs. And I'd really love to not have to go and call eight different companies, right. scout all the information, recognize that I have to ask the right questions to get the right answers, and just sort through all that myself. DPL has been awesome because I can call up your team, Ross, and they pretty much know. You know, they give me very quickly. I describe the client situation. That conversation always, the internal joke here is the conversation always be, begins with, hey, I got a guy. Yeah. Ross, I got a guy and here are the circumstances. Can you distill down quickly two or three product options that make sense in this situation and give me the ups and downs of each? And it's allowed me to really save a lot of time making recommendations and making choices about what I want to, what do I want to do for this client, right? Mm -hmm. The second part is on the back end. I think it is worth mentioning that the annuity world I came from is fill out 50 pages of paperwork often repeating the same information, Yep. go through suitability and principal review and get lots of questions from the business prevention unit, aka the suitability review area, <laughs> justify why I'm rec recommending this. And DPL handles all that. Yep. Today, I fill out a client data sheet, which is just a fact finder. And then the supplement that picks the investment options I want. And then I let you guys handle it. And I get to do nothing. <laughs> You know, I do have to sign the application, which takes 30 seconds. So the back office support processing the business and the technology just make it so easy. Yeah, I think the first time we ever placed a, a case together, you mentioned, uh, wait, so I only have to complete a couple of PDFs and we can start the process for a client. And it really is that easy. You know, you just complete a couple of PDFs with the information we need to pre-fill all the electronic paperwork and we're off and running. So we want to make this scalable, painless for you so that you can spend more time 
working with clients and doing what you want to do and not be buried in paperwork while still passing on you know, solutions that are going to really help out clients. So yeah, truly trying to make this repeatable for you all. And then the technology on our website is also a great driver where you can you know, really input what you're looking for and the technology will help pick out some of the best options, but also having that human touch point of, hey, right now, this is the best solution or this carrier is really out in front for income or protection is also something we're trying to pass along. Right. So yeah, appreciate you sharing those insights, Brock, and uh, all those alternative strategies that I'm sure could come into play with other advisors who are listening today and could implement this in their own practice. Before we wrap up, what's the other you know large impact that maybe our audience should be aware of the DPL membership has provided or for your firm? I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but I just discovered last week that all the contracts through DPL are visible on my portal through DPL. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of embarrassing, actually, <laughs> but it speaks to the ease with which you can process business. Because mm-hmm. there still is a broker-dealer reviewing the suitability. But as we've yeah. discussed, you're handling that, not me. That's right. Yep. And so, yeah, it's been a huge win to be able to take an annuity book that I service and create revenue from it and improve the client situation in the process. Yeah. And so some of the contracts that that I've sent through DPL are replacement business and others new business. And it's just been it's it's been nice to be able to have that solution, which is really helpful. Yeah, that's great. And uh, yeah, to, to Brock's point, if you create an account on our website, you now can actually view all your accounts in one place. And the RFG home office has actually an admin view now to view you know, Brock's contracts and anyone else within the RFG organization all in one place. So yes, we can integrate to Orion, Black Diamond, other platforms, but the DPL website's also there. One thing, this isn't of direct concern to me because I am not the RIA, but I know it's a big win for the RIA to partner with DPL because prior to my arrival here, our RIA, meaning RFG advisory, had steered clear of advisory annuities because it presents a risk or a perceived risk. And part of DPL's role for RFG was being able to take that off the table. Mm -hmm. RFG can offer DPL as a platform and not be responsible for the compliance and review. Mm -hmm. And so they're in a sense outsourcing annuity production. That's a big deal to the RIA. Yeah, we're taking care of the compliance review, the agent requirements, and then you are on the policy to perform, you know, the management and, you know, the financial planning aspect while we're, of course, handling the back office, you know, compliance aspects. So, yeah, no, it's absolutely a, a huge benefit and, and appreciate you clarifying that as well. So, yeah, Brock, appreciate you joining the podcast today. I think a lot of great insights and hopefully will be some you know, actionable steps that advisors can take with their clients. Appreciate you being a great partner. And uh, thanks for joining this episode of the podcast. Glad to work with you. Don't go anywhere, Ross. I won't wait. Well, Brock, I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing everything. And let's connect at dplfp.com and subscribe for more episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. To hear more advisor revelations, go to dplfp.com and subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming app.
content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Brock Eason. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Brock Eason or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services. Member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Brock Eason, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.